in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So we finished uh, last week a series on uh, being mad as believers. Believers are mad. Believers are to be making a difference. And I think we're getting there. That's right. And it's in line with the theme that we're looking at this year, being set free in 2023. To discover our freedom in Christ that we have as followers of Jesus, but also to know it so well and to experience and to live it out to the point where people who are not yet believers in Jesus can see the freedom that we have as we walk with Jesus day by day. That's the plan for this year. So we're going to be doing a few different things. Uh, today we're going to start a series um, titled Plan A, and I'll explain that in a little bit more. Uh, and then later on in the year we're going to be looking through Galatians, the book of Galatians, which, which the theme of Galatians really is be free, our freedom in Christ. So, so we're going to get hammered this year with what it means to be free in Christ. And then there's another opportunity coming up uh, potentially this year if, if we as a church want to get involved and it requires that, that lovely word volunteers again. And that's to offer Alpha as an investigatory course for anybody in our communities or our townships that want to discover what Christianity is about and who Jesus is. And so I'm actually got, I've got a few sermons prepared to give an overview of what Alpha is and how we can get involved, and then we uh, potentially could do that third term. So we're planning ahead for the year. So that my ultimate aim, and I believe what God wants me to uh, work towards this year in the life of the church, is that we would understand what our freedom in Christ is, what it means to be free in Christ, to have the, the shackles, the chains of sin broken in our lives. And it could be habits that we struggle with. It could be uh, addictions that we have. It could be questions that have troubled us for years that we need an answer to. My prayer is that this year we will discover those things and we'll have this freedom to keep on going in the journey of life with Christ that he wants us to have. That's the plan. And as a result of that, that we might have others join that journey and become part of, as Julie says, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. That's my plan. Do you want to walk with me in it and see what God does? There is a risk, you know. The risk is that this place might get packed out before the end of the year. I'm prepared to take that risk. The risk is that we might have to start another church somewhere else. Gee, we've done it once. Uh, but that's a good risk, isn't it? And what are we trusting God for this year? What are we expecting of God this year? Let's pray. Father... We want to know your will for our lives and we want to do your will for our lives. So open our eyes, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So plan A. We're going to be looking at plan A. And you'll see the subtitle there, The Great Commission for Every Christian. So if you've got your Bibles, we'll be putting the verses up on the screen in the moment. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. That's pretty well all we're going to look at this morning because I want to give you an overview of what this plan A is. Now, plan A is a, an approach to sharing the gospel and helping people to become followers of Jesus. So, in other words, it's, it's an approach to evangelism and discipleship. Sharing the gospel, helping people to follow Jesus. Uh, why is it called plan A? Any idea? There's no plan B. That's the simple reason. It's, it's the only plan that God gives us for living out our faith and encouraging others to come to faith in Jesus and to follow him as well. So there's no plan B. It's just plan A. 
And today is an introduction, it's an overview of this plan A. And I trust that there's some element of what I share today that will just grab your heart and think, yes, I'm doing that already. Or, yes, I want to know how to do that better. That's my hope. That's my plan today. So I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm really efficient at putting things off. Anybody good at that? You know, have these great ideas and great plans. You have a list of things to do. I can do that tomorrow. Or I can do that another day. Oh, just don't feel like doing it. But the sad thing about doing that is it's often to our own detriment. I miss out. I'm not completing a job. I'm leaving something unfinished or not even starting a job. I have been known on the very rare occasion to forget to put fuel in my car, even when the little flashing light's going at me. But I've never run out. So, But I have been one to sort of stretch it out a bit. I know somebody else like that in our family too, but I won't mention who they are. But I've put off things like going to the dentist for a number of years and going last week and getting hit for a $1,000 bill because I put off going when I should have quit. Things like calling friends. You know, I really should give my mate a call. I just don't have the time today. Then finding out last week that he was going through a really tough time and if I had a call that day when I was prompted to call, I could have cared for him and shared with him in the the tough time. So I don't know about you, but this is me. Sometimes, should pastors say this, I even put off reading my Bible on occasion. And I try and catch up, but it doesn't always work. Sometimes I put off apologising to people if I've offended or made a mistake. And regularly I put off cleaning the shower. I don't know about you guys, but... uh, If if I ran this list past Cheryl, and she didn't know what I was going to preach on today, I think she might have added some things to that list, you know, I've put off things. Some people might call this procrastination. I I prefer to think of myself as laid back and casual. (laughs) Doesn't always work, does it? What about you? Are there some things in your life that you put off? Are there some things that you know you should do or should be doing, but for some reason or other, you aren't? I don't want to know what they are. But I guarantee that I think for most of us, Sharing the gospel, sharing our faith, evangelism, whatever you want to call it, is one of those things that most of us realise it's really good and it's really important, but we tend to put it off because we don't feel confident or we don't feel as though we can uh, share the right things with people. Anybody agree with that? I think so. Most of us are at that place where we put that off uh, on occasions. Sadly, putting off something like that, sharing the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus, will impact on our lives because it means that we're, we're, we're surrendering to a complacency or a laziness or a uh, casualness. But it's also, it has implications for the church in that if we don't share the gospel with people, then the church won't grow. If we don't share the gospel with people, then the Bible tells us that those people are going to a Christless eternity forever in hell. So there are implications if we don't take the opportunities to share the gospel. 
That's why we're looking at this great commission for every Christian over the next few weeks. What's it mean for you and I in our abilities and whatever to share the good news of Jesus with somebody? There's no formula here, folks. I know I grew up in the um, 70s and 80s where it was really good to memorise a gospel presentation so that if you went down the street and you're talking to somebody and they and you asked them the right question and they responded, you could, you could give them the five points of the gospel. And uh, that was so hard to do, especially if you didn't know that person. But what I want to encourage you with today is from Matthew 28, and we're going to read that in a moment, verses 16 through to the end. I want to encourage you that this plan A gives us some guidelines. They really are only, are only guidelines. Uh, they're, they're a, they are a way of how we might share the gospel with people and see them come to be followers of Jesus. And we're going to be talking about growing, knowing, sowing, rowing, and showing up. So that's the uh, one, two, three, five quick points for this morning. Okay, What it means to share the gospel and be involved in the Great Commission. What it means to grow in the gospel. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20 says this. It's... Uh, Jesus with his disciples. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Remember, this is after the resurrection. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Most of us have heard that passage before, haven't we? Maybe once or a hundred times. But it's good to review it because there's a simple um, approach to sharing the gospel in those verses. We pick up this story this morning where Jesus is with his disciples. They're worshipping him. They come together and they worship God. And then he shares the gospel with them. He says... I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus is the one with authority. He is the king. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He is the king of this earth. He is the one that's given all Christians, not just the disciples there, but all Christians the authority to carry his words to the world, whether it be our our family, our relatives, our street, our town, our country, or the world. God God is not wanting you to just be a good person. He's not wanting you to try a bit harder to get in his good books. He's not saying that believing that you'll have a pain-free life or an easy life and be successful is the way to know Jesus. None of that. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ, the ruler of everything, who died and was raised to life in order that Sin would be defeated, disobedience would be defeated, and death defeated, and their impact on us defeated. So that our relationships would get better and our planet would get better as well. So Jesus' invitation to his disciples and to us today is to be a part of his plan to set this world right. And that's for all of us to be involved in. To be a disciple of Jesus or a follower of Jesus means not only to trust Jesus to save us, but to learn how to live in the love that's been shown to us and to show that love to others around about us. It's a fresh start for most people. It's a better way of life for many. It's the gift that God is giving 
to this world. So we need to be growing in our understanding of the gospel. And our message to the world is that they can trust Jesus, who is the loving ruler of this world. I wonder if we really understand that ourselves. I wonder if we need to preach that message to ourselves first. Do we really see God as the one who is the answer to all our questions? Do we really see Jesus as the one who provides that salvation for us? I trust that the answer is yes. But we need to be not only understanding it, we need to accept it. We need to say, yes, Lord, you've done this for me. So that we can then share it with others. So we're talking about growing in the gospel. And it's not just physical, it's relationship. It's relational. We, we grow in our relationship with God. And we need to uh, realize that growing is a part of our walk with Jesus. As we go with him, we go by growing in our faith. Growing will help us get going. I wonder if you're growing in your faith in Jesus. I don't know how long you've known Jesus for. Could be a short time, could be a long time. But I trust that you know him better now than when you first believed in him. And I trust that that's evident in your lives. What about knowing? What do we know about God? It's our purpose to go, but it isn't as scary as you might think. I guarantee you by 1pm today, there's going to be no one in this building. Pretty sure we don't have any meetings after church, we don't have lunch after church. The building is going to be empty, isn't it? We will all have gone somewhere. Probably home or for lunch or shopping, whatever you're going to do today. So we are already going. But how are we going knowing God is the question. Do we go with the intent of um, looking for someone to share our faith with? Do we go with the intent of looking to share somebody what we know about God? Uh, do we have any people here who have travelled on travelled on railways and trains in the past? Anybody travelled on a train in the past? Uh, I used to work in the city in Brisbane, so it was a daily Monday to Friday event. One of the things I noticed about trains, and much the same on planes actually, there, there are times, unless you know somebody that you're sitting next to, nobody talks to anybody else, do they? You know, you get on a train, and, and a mate and I used to play games with people on the trains. We'd sit up the back there with the newspaper, and we'd look over the top of the newspaper at people and stare them down to see if they'd look at us or look away. But nobody talked to each other on the train. And nobody certainly talks to each other on the planes unless you know them. We've lost that ability to relate to people that we don't know. And I think that, that comes into our walk, our Christian walk as well. It's, it's important to be relational as we go. It's important to get to know people as we go. Going means knowing others. And our culture, sadly, our modern world, is becoming less of a relationship culture, whereas people are becoming isolated. But I think it's through relationships that we can see, pe- we can see Jesus change people's lives. So we need to prioritise getting to know people around about us. What can you do? Who can you make some time for this week that you can get to know better who doesn't yet know Jesus? I wonder... What's one of the ways of doing that? For me, it's having a coffee with somebody. It's having uh, a meal with somebody. And then looking at how the conversation goes. I find that's the easiest way for me. But for, for you, it could be something else. It could be uh, 
drinks after work on Friday night if you, if you, if you go for a coffee then, or it could be morning tea at the park, or it could be taking a lunch break and eating lunch with a friend or a workmate. We need to look for those opportunities to get to know others. As well as that, while we're doing that, we should be looking for opportunities to sow seeds. We need to ask a question and listen to the answer. Jesus used all sorts of ways to share the truths that he had to bring with people that were prepared to listen. What did he do? Sometimes he told stories. Sometimes he asked questions. Sometimes he read scriptures and explained what they meant. Sometimes he spoke to large crowds and sometimes he spoke to people that didn't want to listen and they just walked away and he let them walk away. So Jesus used all sorts of means to connect with people but he didn't try to pressure them to believe what he said. He was willing to discuss and explain with those that were willing to listen. I saw this illustration which I thought was really good this week. Sometimes over the years, uh, we've got to that point when when we talk about evangelism or sharing the gospel that we're sort of like vacuum salespeople. Now, we don't have them that often in Australia here because we've got so many shops. But I remember a day when I was younger last century, that the vacuum salesman would come and knock on the door of the house and he'd have his whatever brand vacuum it was. And they were heavy. And he used to lug those heavy vacuums from door to door trying to sell them, trying to convince people that they needed one. That's what the gospel and evangelism has looked like in the past. It's appeared to be a heavy, uh, burdensome job. But I think we can do better than that. I think that we can do better if we ask a question and listen to the person's response, just in casual conversation. And by listening, I don't mean wanting to point out everything that they're saying that's wrong. I don't mean by wanting to overstep their comments with our own comments. I believe really listening is important. One commentator made this uh, suggestion about listening. Connection is the energy that is created between people when they feel seen, when they feel heard, when they feel valued, when they can give and receive without judgment. I've had some great conversations like that with people who've given me their opinion on many things and then have been willing to listen to my views and my opinion. But I've had to listen to them first. So it's, it's that knowing, it's that sowing. But what about this? What about rowing? What does that say to you? Now, I don't know if you've ever rowed a, a, a boat. Anybody rowed a boat here? Anybody rowed a racing skull? Some people, anybody in a racing skull? Eights, okay. What looks something like this. Where are we? There. Can I see you there? No. Okay. So this is what we're talking about. We're not doing it alone. In those verses, Jesus said, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So if we are determined, if we make a commitment and a decision to know people better, to sow the seeds of the gospel, then we're not doing it alone. And just like the uh, eight-person skull or whatever it is, we're rowing together. And as a church, I believe that's an underlying mission statement of us, following Jesus together. Caring for each other, impacting the world. And so too with this plan A. We're not on our own, we're rowing together. Imagine you're in a boat like that and some people were rowing forwards and some people were rowing backwards. 
the boat would probably split in the middle. They're so fragile. But you wouldn't get anywhere, would you? You know? So that's why we have to be rowing the same way, with the same gospel, with the same intent, knowing that Jesus is with us. It comes from knowing the gospel and doing it together. Some of you may remember or have heard of the uh, Christmas event in Townsville called Stable on the Strand. And uh, when we were in Townsville, we got involved in that. And it was exciting to see that the ultimate aim of that event was to help the community to understand the truths of Christmas, that God sent his son to this world as the saviour of the world. That was the underlying emphasis of that event. But involved in that event were people with all different gifts and skills from all different churches. Some were cooks, some were carpenters, some were actors, some were musicians. Some were people who casually went up to folk and shared the gospel with them. Some were prayers, some were childminders. There was, there's people that God used and pulled together for that event. They were all rowing in the same direction. They wanted to see the event done well. They wanted to see the message of Christmas done well. It's important that each one of us embraces where we are going as a church, what God wants us to do as a church, what the purpose for this church is, so that we can support the ministries, whether it's being involved in Manly Music or Kids for Christ or any of the other ministry areas of the church, or whether it's praying for those people, or whether it's looking after their kids so that other, so they can do the job there and be involved in that ministry. Whatever it is that we are in this together, that we might see God work and touch people's lives. The problem is, I see a problem with this. Even though we're in this together, even though we might be rowing together and we might be rowing in the, in the same direction, it often feels like we're going upstream against the current, doesn't it? Because from a world perspective, the world does not like the message that we bring. And so there's, there's difficulties along the way. And do you know the only way that's, that's going to be overcome is if we actually, not only are rowing together, not only realising that Christ is with us, but that we actually show up and do the job. That we actually show up and do what God's asked us to do. And sometimes it's a case of we, we let the circumstances overwhelm us or we let the fears or anxieties overwhelm us. And we forget, we forget that we're doing this together because God wants us to do it together. So we need to show up. We need to realise it could be hard work that God's called us to. Not everybody's going to want to talk to us about Jesus. Not everybody wants to know about Jesus. But there is a promise, and the promise is that he'll be with us to the very end. When we show up, God is with us. The plan that God has for this world was never dependent on the circumstances being favourable to achieve it, was it? There was, there was places when the disciples came down from that mountain and started moving around the countryside to talk about Jesus and to talk about the kingdom of God. There were people they went to that didn't want to hear about this Jewish man who died for their sins and rose again. There were people who were antagonistic about the story that they were telling. There were people that they spoke to who actually were the ones that put him on the cross. So they didn't want to hear about it but they chose to show up and do what God asked them to do and to take that good news story to whoever would listen. It wasn't dependent on the circumstances. It wasn't dependent on the feelings of the day. It was dependent on actually showing up 
and depending on the power and the presence of Jesus Christ through his spirit that enabled his church to grow. What did he say? He said, I I have been given all authority on earth. I will be with you always, Jesus said. So what do we do? What did they do? I think we need to pray. And we need to pray and we need to pray. And then we need to go. And then we need to pray more for our friends, for our community, for our family. We need to pray more. We need to pray for opportunities to speak to them, to invite them to events, to invite them to meals. We need to pray more. We need to show them love. We need to pray that we would be showing up to be a part of the plan that God has to make disciples. So over these coming five weeks, we're going to look at plan A because there's no plan B. And we're going to look at what it means to be growing as followers of Jesus, what it means to be knowing the fact that God's got a plan for us and he's got a plan for all mankind, what it means to be sowing the seeds of truth, to be rowing together and showing up. And I trust that as we go on this journey, we're going to see God open opportunities for us in lives that we never considered before because we'll be on the lookout for those opportunities. How about we pray? How about we pray and pray that others will come to know Jesus as King They'll come to know him as the Lord of their lives and be built into his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we do. We pray that in your plan, in your will, you will help us to grasp and understand more the miracle that salvation is, the fact that you're with us by your spirit, the fact that you'll give us the words to say and you'll lead us to the people that you want us to speak to and listen to. Father, we pray that you might put names onto our hearts and into our minds right now of those that we've perhaps been praying for for years, Lord, that we'll have opportunities over the coming days to somehow introduce them to Jesus. Father, we want to be available for you to build your kingdom, to grow your church, and we want to do it willingly and wholeheartedly. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks to Sean.